I read this somewhere. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, a young fellow came forward in a gospel meeting earnestly asking, what can I do to be saved? Knowing the man thought he had to accomplish something by his own efforts and to gain redemption, the Christian worker responded to the anxious inquirer, you're too late. Oh, he says, don't say that, exclaimed the distressed seeker. I, I really want salvation. I'll do anything or go anywhere to obtain it. The worker said, I'm sorry. You're too late for that. Your salvation was completed a couple thousand years ago at Calvary. It's a finished work. All you have to do is simply receive Christ by faith. Then he then the blessed gift he offers will become yours through his merits. Realizing the great debt was paid, the young man found peace by looking to the Savior and resting his all upon the grace of God. The devil is a liar and the father of it. There is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He created lying. You cannot sit across the table from the devil and win an argument. The only way you could possibly win the argument is if the Holy Spirit of God enabled you to do it. Because the only, the only one that could argue with the devil would be God himself. As far as we know of the devil, he's the second highest being ever created. And so... He was possibly the very top number one cherub, the overshadowing cherub, possibly also given the gift of music. And that's why you have such wicked music in the world. And that's why it's so wrong to take the world's music and bring it in the house of God. The devil's for that. Take your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. This is Grace Sunday. This is talking about grace from front to back, top to bottom. I thought of so many things this morning when I, I'm away home that I did not say in my sermon. I wanted to say, I didn't say it. The time wouldn't allow me. I'm going to do something very different. I'm going to, on Wednesday night, make sure you don't miss Wednesday, because Wednesday night I'm going to have a slide presentation on the same subject I preached on in the morning. It's such an important subject that I went and completed a slide presentation with visual for Wednesday. You people in Awana, I'm sorry. Titus 3, 3 through 5. For we ourselves also were sometimes, not, let me stop. For we ourselves, who's speaking? Well, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul the Apostle to write the book of Titus, to, to Titus. It was a young preacher. So Paul saying, and we consider Paul one of the greatest Christians ever lived. Again, he would not have, but we have considered him that, entitled him that, sure, under his protest if he were here. He says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. The word moron, moronic disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts, pleasures, 
living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. And that's the grace of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. What's the definition of grace? Well, grace has been defined by different people differently, and I'm going to give some of those definitions to you. Grace has been called the kindness and love of God shown toward us. The Greek word is charis. Simply has connotative meanings of benefit, favor, gift, grace. It has been called G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's not bad. It's been called the power and desire to do God's will. These are definitions of grace. One thing's for sure, grace originates outside of us and is given to us as a gift by God. Totally undeserved and unmerited from the heart of love mingled with mercy and forgiveness from God. Interestingly, grace and law are constantly contrasted in the New Testament. We, the born-again believers in this room, are under the system of grace. And I use the word under biblically. I'll show you why. You're either under the system of grace or you're under the system of law. There's no other choice. The world without Christ, is under the system of the law. In other words, they're going to be judged by the law. And they're going to answer for the deeds they did in their, in their body, whether they were good or bad, based on the law. And they're in trouble. We're under the system of grace in contrast to the system of the law. Let me read some verses on this, Galatians 3.23. But, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up. Under, under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Galatians 4, 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under, that's the authority, under the authority, as you could say, of the law, to redeem them that were under the law. So he was made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons and be brought out from under the authority of the law, and put under the authority of grace. In Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, that simply means the authority of grace, the authority of the law. You're under one or the other. The system of law came through Moses, and that's Moses was a nice guy. He was a wonderful man. He was the meekest of all men. Uh, the Messiah in Deuteronomy 19 was going to be made in somewhat of the image of and likeness of Moses. I said, a prophet like unto, unto thee shall come up. What a compliment could that be? I mean, to, whew, Moses, phenomenal man. It says, but the law was given by Moses in John 1.17, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, but the system of grace came by Jesus Christ. Which one do you want? Because you, if you don't choose, you already have. If you say, well, I'm not under Jesus, that means you're under the law. 
Notice that you're under one of the other systems. If under the law, then you'll be judged by the law, and your sin will have to be dealt with, and the penalty for your sin will be dealt with under the law's demands. Death for one violation. James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and offend in one point is guilty of all. So you see why you can't be self-righteous. Because you may say, well, I haven't cussed or I haven't smoked or I haven't drank, but I haven't done it, but you've done this. And because you've done this, you're basically guilty of the whole. You're a lawbreaker. And what happens to lawbreakers is they come before Jesus at the great white throne judgment one day, and they're going to have to answer for their sin, and no sin can enter into heaven. And because they have no forgiveness or propitiation, they've rejected Jesus. Really, the biggest sin of all is rejecting Jesus, God's Son. They'll have to be relegated to a place called the lake of fire. An angel will come, grab them. This is Bible. The angel will come, grab them, haul them to the edge of the precipice, and fling them, cast them into the lake of fire. It's going to be a horrible scene. Horrible scene. They'll be weeping, gnashing of teeth. What is sin? People have asked me that. Well, what is this thing called sin? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 defines it. It's called the, in, in, in our Bible memory cards, it's called the definition of sin. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin, this is the definition, for sin is a transgression of the law. Adam and Eve had a law, and they violated it. He said, you can eat anything you want in this whole place, but those two trees, you don't touch them. And they violated the law of God, the word of God, the law of God, and consequently had to be thrown out of the garden. The whole world fell, and for by, by, by Adam, one sin by Adam came death, and because of death, death passed upon the whole race. It's awful, all of what's going on. Under the law, God demands righteous behavior from man. Under grace, he gives righteous behavior to man. Did you catch that? The law says, keep it. Grace says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I may get happy. I'm going to give you my right. You're a little depressed today. You're a little down. Don't be. As a born again believer, you're the possessor of the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ. I don't know what that fully means. I I, I give that. I don't. It, I have not yet realized the fullness of that, but it's coming, and I believe God keeps His word. The law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. I call, I, I've said this illustration over and over, going door to door one time downtown. I met a stripper, and she told me, I'm a stripper, and I, I do awful, she said, I've done such horrible stuff, God could never save me. And I said, God's looking for you. I came here today as a servant of God to find you so that you could be saved. Oh, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't need to know what you've done. God knows what you've done. He said, whosoever will may come. Come to me, all that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. 
The girl didn't get saved, but I hope she did later. The law demands perfection. Grace gives perfection. The law demands justice. Grace gives mercy. Under the law, no one can measure up. Under the grace, whosoever will may come. Under the law came a curse. Under grace comes blessing. Now that we're under grace, and I hope you're under grace tonight, we have a new position, as I mentioned this morning. We're children of God, called sons of God, children of God. I want to sing. I actually want to sing. We're given a new partner, the Holy Spirit of God. He's with me forever. Oh, blessed Spirit of God. We're given a new privilege. We can stand without blame before him in love. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that, are, that believe in his name. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God that was to come? that died on the old rugged cross, that, died, that was buried, and the third day rose victorious from the dead. Do you believe? This, I got a list of some new things under grace. Here's some new things because we're under grace. Now we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 1.3. According to Colossians 1.22, we're found in him, blameless, faultless, and unreprovable. I mean, ultimately, that's our goal. That's what we're going to be someday. And he sees us as we will be. We're adopted as his children, Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, as I mentioned this morning. We're forgiven of all of our sins, Ephesians 1, 7. We're shown the mystery of his will, Ephesians 1, 9. We're personally branded, marked as God's own, Ephesians 1, 13. We've been lifted from the grave to sit in, in glory in Ephesians 2, 16. That's where it says you've been sealed under the day of redemption. I've been sealed. I can't tell you how many times God's looked out for me. I spend a lot of time by myself. People have come up to me through the years. I spend uh, half a day Wednesday, all day Thursday and Friday when, until my wife retired. Now I'm never by myself. I mean, that's really good, right? But anyway, uh, I used to spend half a day Wednesday and all day Thursday and Friday by myself. Nobody around. I live way out in the country. Nobody comes in. Nobody makes surprise visits on me. And so people say, well, do you have a dog? I said, no, I don't have a dog. I don't need a dog. Man, I fellowship with God. Anything else would just be a distraction. I like to talk to him aloud, like he's really here, because he's really here. I see some of you people talk to a little dog. That dog's distracting attention away from the Holy Spirit who wants to talk to you. Oh, man, am I plowing some rocky ground now, buddy. I mean, there may be nobody here next week. I'm serious about it, though. God wants your attention. And until you get quiet, you won't hear him. 
Elijah heard that still, small voice. Nothing wrong with being alone. It's a beautiful time to fellowship with God. Well, I'm going to move on. We have been taken from not one good thing to create it in Christ under good works, Ephesians 2.10. We've been taken from the outermost to sit in the innermost. Oh, the holy of holies. That's Ephesians 2.13. We can now come boldly before the throne, Ephesians 3.12. We are now part of the body of Christ, the church, Ephesians 5.30. We have, we have eternal glory, 2 Timothy 2.10. We will be resurrected together, 1 Corinthians 15.22. There is therefore now no condemnation. We're delivered. Woo, Romans 8.1, most of you know that verse. We're free from the power of sin, and though we are not free yet from the presence of sin, we're free from the power of sin. Pretty soon we're going to get free from the presence of sin. Oh, what a day that'll be when we're free from the presence of sin. We will someday be free from that presence. We're justified, Ephesians 4, 5, Romans 5, 9. We're sanctified, Jude 1, 1. We're under the system of grace. Man, with all that going for us, What suffering can we not endure? What trials can we not overcome with all that going for us and more? You can make it through whatever comes your way, whatever the the devil throws at you, whatever the world throws at you, whatever the flesh throws at you. By the grace of God, if you'll stand in him, you can endure unto the end which is a promise for them, for them that love him, and you can overcome. What heartache can you not bear? What grief can you not carry? What disappointment can you not deal with? What temporal bad situation can we not see through? You can stay married to that person you're married to. You can. I've seen people... In bad marriages, what I consider to be a bad marriage, I mean rough, rough marriage, rough marriage, you know. And I've seen them stick together in spite of it. And I've seen God turn a lot of those situations to good. At the end of the thing, turned out great. In fact, sometimes actually great because they didn't give up. They trusted God. They said, we can endure unto the end and be saved. You can do it. Don't quit. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we are delivered from the law of being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of life and not in the oldness, oldness of the letter. What does 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18 say? You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, what I've said, beware lest you also being led away with its error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. That's why this should be preached. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That means we should literally revel in grace. We should think about it. 
We should grow in it. It means that we of all people should live a holy life honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ because we've received this great grace. It means that we are free agents. The power of sin has been cut. We're no longer slaves to sin, Romans chapter 6. We're no longer slaves to sin. The power of it has been cut. Ooh, we're free. It means that we should allow our deep gratitude and thankfulness to drive away all depression and bitterness. Sometimes depression is physiological. Sometimes depression is spiritual. You may not be able to stop a physiological depression. You know, your your body, your your, uh, symbiotic uh, response of your body or something, you just feel down. Okay, you may not be able to stop that. Drink some caffeine. Excuse me. Not me, but you. I had a migraine headache the other day. I called my doctor. He told me to drink some caffeine. Man, I ran to the refrigerator, got a Mountain Dew, busted that baby open and drank it. Under doctor's orders. And it helped me. I still had a headache, but I felt better. It means, being under under grace means that we should be readily, we should be willing to readily forgive others and never hold grudges. Now, you know, that's easier said than done. Oh, I have people say to me, oh, I don't have grudges against anyone. What about this one? Well, I don't deserve forgiveness. (laughs) You got got a grudge against them. You know, you got, evidently, you got bad feelings against them. My wife and I have been talking a lot about this lately. You know, I'll name some people that she has trouble with. I'll say, no, I don't want you to be bitter. With the judgment you judge, you shall be judged. How hard do you want God to be on you? I want mercy, man. I want grace, mercy. He that showed no mercy shall be judged without mercy, it says in the book of James. And I don't know about you, but I want to show mercy. I don't want to be some cynical, critical individual the first time somebody makes a mistake, slap them to the ground. God forbid we come around people like that. I want to hold my hand out and tell you there's a better way. You can be forgiven. You don't have to live like that. Being under grace means that we have a great privilege. With that great privilege comes great responsibility, right? And great accountability. I mean, this morning I couldn't go into all this, but but the being under the grace of God, some people say, well, that's a license to sin if I'm, if I'm declared not guilty and, and I'm born into the family of God and cannot be unborn, then I can go do what I want to do. If you would say that, I would say I would worry. I'm not your father. First of all, you don't have to worry what I think about you. I'm not your final judge. I have no ability to judge whether you're saved or unsaved other than I'm a fruit inspector. By your fruits, you should know them. You know, to a point, if you, if you look like a duck and you quack like a duck, you probably are a duck. But, I mean, the point being that we're not really able to look in the heart. And that's where God, have you ever heard the parable of the, of the, of the tares and the wheat? And you know there's tares in this church. God said they'd be sown among the wheat. There's tares in every church. 
Don't let the tares discourage you. I've had new saved people come into gospel and get born from above. I mean born from above, beautiful case of, of God saving somebody. And later they came to my office and they were real discouraged. They said, well, somebody said this to me and that to me. And it was wicked, nasty, vile stuff discouraging them. And I said, who in the world told you that? They never want to tell me. Well, I said, well, I'm not a rat. I don't rat on anybody. I said, I want you to rat on them because I want to extradite them. I want to dismember them. They never would tell me who it was. But what it was, it was a tear. It was acting like they were a wheat because you can't tell the difference by looking from the outside. And the tear was trying to kill this freshly born wheat. So if somebody at Gospel Baptist says something wicked to you, slough it off. It's probably one of the tears. You say, couldn't you get rid of the tears? I've tried. I can't tell you who is and who isn't really for sure. And so I just trust that everybody's a wheat and be happy about it. You remember the parable of the lost son, right? Two boys. One boy said, give me your my inheritance. I want to go live. I want to go Las Vegas. That's what he said. It's just in the, it's in the Greek. I want to go to Las Vegas. And I want to, you give me my inheritance. And dad said, okay, I'll give you inheritance. Whoa, he wasn't as cooperative as my dad was. My dad wouldn't do that. So he said, so this gave him a big hunk of money. Maybe he gave him a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's your inheritance, son. That's all it is. He said, okay, thank you, dad. Loaded up, went to Las Vegas, gambling, drinking, prostitutions, legal, and everything else. And they went over and oh, he had a big old time in Las Vegas. Pretty soon the money was gone, and when the money's gone, all the girls are gone, all the friends are gone. Nobody wanted to give him a room. Nobody wanted to give him a place to stay. Nobody wanted to feed him. So he found himself out in some farmer's place. You know, farmers, God bless them. Farmers are gracious. I mean, he didn't let the guy starve to death. He says, go feed my hogs, and you can eat some of their food. That was nice. The boy is in the hog pen, and it don't smell good in a hog pen. I've had hogs. They don't smell good when they get in there and root around in that mud and, and you know, do their thing in that mud and root around in it. It smells nasty. They get smelling nasty. He's laying there, but he's got his head on the belly of one of them hogs. Where are the girls now? They say, man, my servants got better than this. My dad's servants are better than this. I'm going back. He repented. He went back to, what do, what do you know his dad's reaction? The Heavenly Father sees his kids do that. That was what that was about. The, Heavenly, the Father represents Jesus Christ or the Heavenly Father. The lost son represents a believer who's gone out and backslidden and gotten into the world and reaped the consequences of his backsliding, finally repented of it, came back to the Father. And let me tell you, the Father didn't slack, smack him down and say, I told you you shouldn't have went there. He didn't give him a bunch of, a bunch of instruction. He put his arms around him. He hugged him. He cried. He said, oh, my son, which was lost, is now found. He's dead and he's alive. That's the way God reacts when you come home. If you're really of the seed of God, he's going to help you. Let's live and walk as if we're children of the living God. Let's walk worthy of the calling that God has placed on us. 
The teaching of grace encourages us to do the will of God. It doesn't encourage us to go out and sin. It does the opposite of that. It encourages us to drop the things of the world, to drop the things of the flesh, to drop the things of the devil, and to live for God because he's done such a wonderful, wonderful thing for us in making us part of his family. We're supposed to grow in grace. That is what I'm doing now. I'm preaching this. You're listening and maybe some new information's come by you, and now you can add that to what you already know, and you can grow, you can mature, you can understand. Somebody go out and make sure she's okay. Yeah, okay, everything's good. She's all right, we got it, we got it. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. I hope you're encouraged in the faith tonight. I hope you I hope you live for Jesus when nobody's watching. I, I hope that you'll get rid of the noise of the barking dogs and all the other junk that tries to pick up your attention. And I'm I hope that you'll begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. And begin to say, God, talk to me, talk to me, come to me, let's fellowship together. Walk with me, talk with me. You know why the, one of the favorite songs in Christendom is in the garden. I come to the garden alone. 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 Some of you hate to be alone. You hate not having the TV on or the radio on or having your phone in your hand or having something. You got to be doing something. Got to be looking at something. Got to be listening to something. Something's wrong with that. I come to the garden alone. Why? He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. My mom's favorite song. We used to sing it on the way to Florida. Remember I told you how we sang? They'd have a songbook. On the way to Florida, we had no radio, no AM or FM, no cassette, no eight track, no Obviously, no computers. They had no AC in the car. Windows always down. And we were on a 59 Chevy, big old fins on a 59 Chevy Impala. And we were on our way down to Florida with three boys in the back seat, stopping once in a while to spank them all. We stopped about every, oh, 400 miles and whipped us all. And we got back in shape. And we went down the road another four, 500 miles, got whipped again. We're slow learners. And they'd take out that hymn book. My dad could play harmonica. I still got his harmonica. He could play harmonica. Well, you have a harmonica. You can, you got, that gives you the tune. You know, he can go, he could play. So he'd, he'd take the, he could read. And so he'd take the songbook and he'd start playing in the garden. And my mom and dad would sing together. It was sweet. They did not know how much, what power. They did not understand the teaching that they were doing. They didn't think those three mean boys were paying any attention. And I'll be honest with you, it looked like we weren't. But the Holy Spirit of God, later on, ran those scenes by me. And it'll run them by your kids too. 
instead of having a drop-down DVD screen in your vehicle, why don't you put all that stuff up, shut everything off, and sing some of the old hymns of the faith? You say, Brother Bill, I can't sing very well. Well, they'll remember that. And when you die, you know what they'll do? They'll get teared up and say, I sure miss Tom singing. Yeah, that's right. They'll say, I'd give anything to hear my dad sing a little out of tune again. Yeah, that's right. Oh, may God help us to walk in grace through faith. Father, help us tonight, anoint us. Use us for thy honor and glory. Thank you for your kindness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.